Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zalmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be talking with Dr. Jacob Plasker about the lessons he learned in transition from patient to doctor. I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and I am the author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, which is available on Amazon, and I recently launched the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Also, don't forget to join my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Jacob Plasker, and he is a board-certified chiropractic neurologist who suffered a head injury when he was 10 months old that left him partially paralyzed. Doctors said he would never walk or talk, but through regular chiropractic care, Dr. Jacob defied his prognosis and dedicated his life to understanding the human nervous system so that he can deliver the same exceptional care that has allowed him to thrive today. His cases have been published in multiple publications, and he has spoken to both professional and lay audiences all over the country about the power of their brain and the nervous system to change and heal. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Jacobs. So happy to have you here today. I feel honored to be here. I've been, you know, following what you've been doing from afar uh, for quite some time, and I um, have just been very impressed and um, just honored to be able to contribute to the movement that you're creating. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being here. And, you know, we're kind of in a weird time in the world right now, and I feel like everybody has a little extra time right now. And so I thought I would try to just pack as many podcasts as we can into the month of April. And so I reached out to a whole bunch of you, and I had a great response Um, so thank you for kind of kicking it off for me here. Um, and you know, I'm really excited. We got a glimpse of your story in your bio, but I'm really excited to jump in because honestly, I really think the doctors who've been through a brain injury or, you know, any other like complicated diagnosis, right? It doesn't just have to be a brain injury, but anyone who's been on the other side of it, um, I think they make the best doctors because they're more relatable. They get it. They understand it. And they know the struggles that we've been through in, you know, trying to find 30 different doctors to find the right one, right? Um, So, Dr. Jacob, I'd love to just jump into your story and, you know, share with us what happened when you were a small child um, and how that's kind of ebbed and flowed and led you to where you are today. Sure. Um, So I always say there's a a long (laughs) and a short story. Um, (laughs) 
but uh, but basically, if we start at the beginning, um, when I was 10 months old, I rolled off the back of my parents' bed, uh, landed on my head, and that caused me to have a um, ischemic event where my brain went without oxygen for a little bit, and um, my my family or my parents took me to the emergency room and the doctors examined me and they told my parents that, you know, I had a mild stroke and that uh, due to my injury, I would never be able to walk, never be able to talk, never be able to use my right hand. And uh, my father who uh, is and still was, or was and still is a practicing chiropractor um, uh, adjusted me on the hospital bed and I Mm. instantly became responsive. And that kind of um, started me on a path where I, you know, saw lots and lots of different providers. You know, obviously I continued to, to get chiropractic care, um, but in my journey of healing, you know, it's like you said, I've seen so many different providers, tried so many different kinds of therapy. And uh, fast forward 20 years, um, I was actually at the University of Georgia getting my um, undergrad degree in finance and kind of had a breakdown and um, decided that I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And that was right around the time I heard about functional neurology. And that was kind of what pivoted me uh, to go and try something new. I was able to go to the clinic at Life University and get treated by uh, Dr. Carrick, who is the founder of functional neurology. And um, in his five-day program, I regained more cognitive function than I had ever really experienced, you know, since that one, you know, obviously I don't remember what it was like as a 10-month-old, but um, nothing had shifted my, uh, the course of my life more than that five-day period with Dr. Carrick. And I was just excited by the prospect of being able to um, being able to do that for people, especially when they were 20 years out from an injury. Um, I, I thought that wasn't really possible for me, and to be able to to have my eyes open like that was was really special. So I'm I'm going to stop you right there for a minute, and I want to kind of back up a little bit. So I mean, obviously, like you said, you don't remember when you were 10 months old, and probably those first few years. Um, but as you went into school, um, did you, you know, I mean, I know you wouldn't know any different, right? Because you were essentially, you grew up with, with a brain injury. Um, but did you find that you had struggles in school, like with reading or, you know, math or, or anything in particular? Sure. Um, my answer to that question is, um, is is kind of complicated. I, I mean, I guess when you have one thing that's front and center for you, you tend to not notice the other things. And so yeah. I have, you know, quite a noticeable physical deficit. Uh, and as a result, I, in my mind, I always framed myself as more of an intellectual academic person because I didn't have the ability to run as fast as everybody else, you know, play sports as, as well as everybody else. Um, although I still tried. Um, <laughs> sure. so cognitively, I, I always kind of felt like I was, you know, normal or, or, 
um, maybe a little bit smarter than, than a lot of people. And I guess that's the way that I, I just reframed who I was mm-hmm. given the light of what I couldn't do physically. Um, but and, you know, when I saw oh, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just gonna say, and I have to believe, you know, having, um, a father who is a doctor himself, you know, I have to believe that they kind of, I don't know, pushed you a little more or encouraged you maybe is the better word um, to believe in yourself and know that, that things were possible. Absolutely. And I think that that is one of my, my central points when I talk to people about this, because I now having um, dealt and treated a lot of children with brain injuries, there's really two ways that, that parents can take it. Right. So, when the doctors told my parents that I would never walk or talk again, there were basically two different paths that they could have taken. One is they could have gone home and they could have researched the best wheelchairs and the best ways to make a home accessible mm-hmm. for, a, for a child with a handicap. Um, and, or they could um, go and they could research, you know, the most cutting edge therapies, the ways to make sure that, that whatever function he does have gets, gets maximized. And I feel very fortunate that that's what they chose. And it has led me to have a lot of conversations with parents, you know, about, about the path that they choose and the implications that it has for the life of their child. Um, And I think that that's uh, something that parents find very powerful and and empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's a really great point for any parents or caregivers listening, you know, and, and, you know, and I think every patient is different too. Right. But depending where the damage is, um, but, you know, just that encouragement, you know, not forcing them to do this or that, but really encouraging them and letting them know that they're, um, that there's still a great thing that they can do in this world. And I, you know, I kind of, try to really instill that in people as well. Like you might not have the same life that you had before your injury, um, but you still have a life and there's still great things you can do. You know, maybe you were a mathematician before and can't do math anymore. And I get it. That sucks. Right. Um, But there's still Mm -hmm. other great things you can still do. And, you know, like you said, you focused more on academics because you weren't as athletic as other kids. So, you know, there's always there's always a silver lining. And I think it's really hard for some people to find after brain injury. I think that is 100 percent true. And what I would add to that, and this is a conversation I have with my patients all the time, everybody's brain, regardless of whether or not you have a brain injury, is constantly changing. Right. So it doesn't matter if you've had a brain injury or not. Your brain is being shaped by the experiences that are happening to you and also that you choose for yourself. And I think the greatest silver lining to having a brain injury is once you have functions taken away, you get to be much more active in how your brain changes. Right. So there are two types of people. They're the types of people who aren't aware of the of the power in their brain and just kind of let those changes happen passively. And that's kind of what we see with people as they get older, they get more complacent. Maybe they don't try as many new things. And so it contributes to a um, kind of a slow decline in, 
in their overall brain function and, and ability to remain adaptable. Whereas if you've had a brain injury, you need to be very, very cognizant of the stimulation that you're giving your brain. And so I think the, the best silver lining is the fact that you've been shown that, you know, I have an active part to play in how my brain changes. And I think that that contributes to making people more interesting, um, more lively as they get older, regardless of what their activity level might be on a physical or cognitive level, but just their, their ability to remain engaged in life and, and that they have a say in the way their brain changes, I think is a very powerful idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> excuse me. So you let's now let's go forward a little bit again. So now you're in college and you found um, functional neurology. You did your five day intensive with Dr. Carrick. Um, so how, you know, we already said that that kind of changed your trajectory, but um, what did that look like at that point after you did this five day intensive and got back more cognitive ability than you thought? you would ever get back after 20 years. Um, so where, where did the, where does the story take us now? Well, um, I had to, because I was, um, because I was already getting a, a finance degree at the university of Georgia, I had to pretty much kind of do a 180 and go from taking finance courses to getting my prereqs done for chiropractic school. Um, and then I pretty much, once I made that decision, I, there was kind of nothing to, to hold me back. I, I enrolled in chiropractic college for the very next summer um, and pretty much began my functional neurology training while I was in school. And so uh, for those unfamiliar with what functional neurology is, functional neurology is a postdoctorate board certification within the chiropractic profession. And, um, but the, the classes are done um, on satellite campuses and, and Light University at the time where I went to chiro- chiropractic college was one of the primary uh, locations for uh, the Carrick Institute's training. And so I, um, from, from day one, was enrolled in the functional neurology program. And so when I graduated, um, I was already board eligible and then took my certification a couple months later, uh, which I feel very lucky to have been able to do because now being in practice and um, it's given me a whole new respect for doctors who chose this path after they were in practice and had to go back and, and learn it all. So, um, but yeah, that's, yeah, you know, basically off to the races after that. Yeah. Yeah. And so <clears throat> um, what have you found? I, I I'm kind of baiting you here, I guess. Um, but what have you found to be what what makes functional neurology so much different than traditional neurology? Well, um, I would say I know it's a complicated that, question. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Here's, it, it, it's it's a good question, and it's a question I answer a lot. And this is the way that I typically explain it. The job of your medical neurologist is to find diseases and conditions which the majority of time are going to put your, your mortality in jeopardy, right? And so 
They're looking for space occupying lesions like, like tumors. They're looking for um, really uh, well identified disease processes with well identified pathophysiologies that they can apply either a surgical or pharmaceutical intervention to. Um, your functional neurologist is going to be concerned with really breaking down the person's brain in terms of what areas are functioning the way they're supposed to and what areas are functioning the way they're not supposed to. And then addressing those functional changes by using the, the large body of, of science with regards to how the different parts of the body impact particular parts of the brain. And so it, it's a much more uh, fluid discipline. It, it, really, it really kind of brings modern neurology to life, um, mm-hmm. to, to quote um, Dr. Brandon Brock. Um, and uh, so that's, that's typically the way that I frame the differences between the two. And obviously there's some overlap and, and there are aspects of our examinations that look very, very similar, but the interpretation of the findings, I think, is where, where we differ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I kind of, like, my real abbreviated version of functional neurology is that they look at the entire body and how, how it's working correctly or not correctly with the brain. And I know for me, when I had my initial exam um, with Dr. Schmo. I was just blown away by all the things he kept finding and I wasn't even aware. So for instance, um, I was kind of dragging my one leg and shuffling. I wasn't like picking my feet up and, and walking in strides. Um, and I hadn't even realized it, you know, and I'd been doing it for over two years at that point. Um, so, you know, it was just kind of fascinating to me, the different things that he did find that I wasn't even aware of yet. Um, how part of my face was still numb and I thought I had already regained feeling, um, you know, so they just, they look at so much more than just, you know, like for me, honestly, the neurologist spent a whole 20 minutes with me <laughs> and my initial exam with Dr. Schmo was two hours. Right. And I mean, he did a very, very thorough. It was like he watched me walk. He watched me balance. He watched me balance with my eyes closed. I um, checked all my vital signs, sitting, standing, laying down um, my eyes. Uh, He did a bedside exam with my eyes, but then he also did the VNG um, where they record your eye movement. And, you know, it all made so much sense when he sat down and explained it to me and I had been screaming for years, two and a half years, like there's something wrong with my eyes and no, your eyes are fine. Your eyes are fine. And yeah, my acuity was fine, but the eye tracking wasn't working together. And, you know, once we got that stuff cleaned up and, and working together again, it was profound. Um, I mean, symptoms just started, falling away (laughs) and that that freed up so much more energy for me to heal up the rest of my brain if if that makes sense um so i you know i just i wish more doctors would embrace referring out and not even just 
lots of functional neurologists, but I mean, I didn't even get referred out to PT, OT, anything, <laughs> you know, and sure. I know everybody yeah. has similar stories. Um, and it's just really frustrating because the first place you think to go is the neurologist because high neurologist brain, right? Um, right. But, you know, unfortunately, many of them have just really no concept of what's going on with the brain injury. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that brings up a point that I have, that I talk about a lot with people, um, that you, you will never meet a more biased person than a practitioner of healthcare, a licensed practitioner of healthcare in the United States. And that, and that goes for chiropractors, PTs, medical, medical doctors, we're, we're all so biased by our training that we don't know what else is out there, you know? And so while it is a, it is an unfortunate feature of our healthcare system, it's, it's kind of a reality that no one likes to talk about. And so while I used to get upset and frustrated with the system for, you know, like the local neurologists in my community for not, not referring, not getting it They They don't get that training. And so the, that's why what people like you are doing is so important because it, it lets people know that there are things out there that will allow them to be examined as, as an individual and be treated on an individual basis based on what their brain is doing rather than just trying to get fit into a box, which is unfortunately mm-hmm. what the, the current system does. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, so true. And, you know, I mean, my story is not unusual, right? To visit 30-some doctors before finding functional neurology, Um, which, you know, I guess is why I'm so passionate about trying to help people find resources sooner. Um, But, it's you know, unfortunately, by the time you get two and a half years into it, you're so fed up right? You're fed up, you're frustrated, mm-hmm. no one's helping you, no one's giving you any answers. And, you know, you, you've run out of money by that point, too, which, you know, you're not working, you're paying constant co-pays to go visit different doctors. <laughs> I mean, I kept track. And in my first 10 months, I had 70 some doctor appointments. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it was insane. It, it was like my full-time job going to doctor appointments and not getting any treatment. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. um, you know, I, I just feel like our healthcare system has set us up to fail, unfortunately, um, here in the United States, which is a whole other topic. Um, but, you know, <laughs> um, but, you know, there are other options. You do have to look outside the box. And, you know, whether it's functional neurology, um, chiropractic, uh, acupuncture, PT, even PT and OT, I feel like those are so overlooked as well. And speech therapy, um, you know, vision therapy, um, there's Nora uh, optometrist, is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And, you know, there's, there's just so many other options out there that can help you. And, you know, we get stuck in the mainstream medicine, like we get shuffled from doctor to doctor. And I just think it's so important to learn that there's these other modalities out there. Um, And, 
you know, with, with functional neurology, the whole, the whole body approach, I think is what makes so much sense to me because your brain is the computer. It runs your entire body, right? So if your brain's not functioning, the rest of your body's not functioning. And maybe you can give us a few quick examples of, excuse me, um, of, of other things that like, like my example, how I was shuffling and dragging a leg. Um, Are there other examples of things that people could just kind of like do a quick scan of their body and like, Oh yeah, I didn't even know I was doing this. Uh, Sure. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the things that people can do is just um, do a, a quick postural analysis of themselves, you know, have somebody take a picture from front on and, and look to see if maybe one leg is turned out and maybe see if one arm is turned in, maybe there are more knuckles showing on, on one side versus the other of your hands indicating an internal rotation of your shoulder, which could mean anything from an an old softball injury to um, a change in the fundamentals of how your brainstem is firing, which control your postural systems. Um, You can, uh, you know, kind of spin to the left five times and spin to the right five times and see if one leaves you feeling more woozy than the other. Uh, you can put two pieces of paper on the, on a table and just kind of put your, um, put flat hands on the two pieces of paper. And if one of, and when you pick it up off the table, if one of the pieces of paper is sticking to your hand and one isn't, you know, that might be an indication of how your sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system is firing on that side. Um, you know, I, I think what's interesting is that people are intimately familiar with the idea that the brain regulates and controls every function of your body. Um, but then when you ask people to look backwards and say, well, what does that, what does that thing going off in my body say about my brain? For some reason, people have a, a harder time going going that direction. And so one of the things you talked about, which I think is really important with regards to getting stuck in the healthcare system, Mm -hmm. a lot of people put way too much trust in their doctors, you know? And yes, we blindly trust our doctors. Absolutely. And so I think one of the biggest and loudest messages that needs to be screened from the rooftop is that you are an active participant in your care. You are able to, to, do things that maybe one of your providers wouldn't necessarily want for you, right? And so while you seek professional guidance, know that ultimately the decision to move forward with care or the decision to look somewhere else is not dictated by what the doctor wants you to do. It's dictated by what you feel is right for yourself, right? And obviously there's a balancing act that has to take place because, you know, the the lack of evidence in a lot of areas, um, you know, makes it kind of easy for people to be taken advantage of, but you have to advocate for yourself. No one else is going to do it for you, right? Ultimately Mm -hmm. your doctor cares about you, but as soon as you walk out the door, they've got 10 other people that they're seeing that day. So, you know, you, you have to take yourself wherever you go. And so you just have to, constantly be advocating yourself and realizing, Hey, this is something that, that I'm in control of. Yes. Yes. And you brought up one of my points. Um, this whole, you know, we, we've been taught to blindly trust our doctors 
And that paradigm is slowly shifting, um, but it needs to shift more. And the more we shift that paradigm and demand answers, the more traditional doctors will really just have to step up and either learn more or learn who to refer out to. Um, But, you know, we blindly trust our doctors and we take their answers as gold and we don't always question what they tell us. And, you know, in my experience, they just wanted to give me antidepressants. And again, most people blindly trust that. And Mm -hmm. for me, I knew antidepressants was not the right answer. So I refused them much to their dismay. Um, But, you know, we really, we do, we need to be more educated and demand answers and the doctors work for us, not the other way around. And (laughs) yeah. And, you know, you know, while it's sometimes, I think it makes more sense when you see a doctor who's out of network and you're paying all cash, but you know, when you're just paying a copay, you're not always thinking about the fact that you're paying that doctor, right? Cause your insurance is paying mm-hmm. it. Um, but you have hired that doctor, not the other way around. And if you're not getting the answers, you have every right to seek out another opinion Um And, you know, I have heard, I did not have this experience, but I have heard stories from neurologists that are from, from patients whose neurologists were like, well, if you leave, you, you know, I, you're not allowed to come back to me again. You know, like you're being banned from from my office, like, you know, like they're, they're non-compliant or something. And it's like, no, 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 no. You work for me, not the other way around. Um, Absolutely. If I, I tell people if they ever have a doctor tell them that or ever say, like, I'm the only person who can help you or something like that, um, to just walk out the door and, and find somebody else because that person is going to close way more doors than they're going to open. And, mm-hmm. and that's, a, that's another really big shame is because of the – the trust that people have in their doctors, their doctors yeah. have the ability to really dramatically dictate how and manipulate. this process goes for them. Yeah. And manipulate. Absolutely. And so the most heartbreaking thing for me as a provider is when I see a patient and, you know, we, we do our thing and they experience dramatic changes and they break down crying and, you know, normally I think it's tears of joy, but a lot of times it's tears of frustration because they would have been here years ago, but their doctor told them to stay a course or to not go a yeah. certain way or, or, you know, that person doesn't know anything. That's the most frustrating because, you know, so much time has gone by when we could have done things for these people. And the only reason they didn't pursue it is because, a, a doctor who was misinformed as to what what we actually do um, told them to to steer clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know I'm just so thankful that there are doctors like you out there and are helping people get so much better. And um, you know we're we're just about out of time, but I do want to ask if you have any final final words of wisdom for our listeners today. Well, I, I would say, um, you know, one of my favorite quotes um, is by, by Albert Einstein, and it, it says, 
the difference between what the most and the least learned people know is inexpressibly trivial in relation, in relation to that which is unknown. Right? I'll say it again. The difference between what the most and the least learned people know is inexpressibly trivial in relation to that which is unknown. So while your providers are great sources of information, you're in control of this process. Mm-hmm. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Um, and, and really just keep the faith and don't stop looking. If you, don't, if you find something that's not working, try something else. You know, the, you, you know, what kind of that age old added adage, whether you think you can or you can't, you always write. Right. So um, I just want to encourage people to keep trying. Um, there is a doctor locator um, on, I think it's acnb.org where they can find a uh, functionalologist in their area that's current with their certification. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what I've got. <laughs> Awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation and I really appreciate you being here. Um, I just kind of put some feelers out last week. So thanks for stepping up so quickly to be a guest on the podcast this week. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. And I just, I so appreciate all of you out there working on the front lines in the brain injury community because it really does make a difference. Well, thank you, Amy. And I, I would just say the same about you, um, you know, keep doing what you're doing and, um, you know, we're, we'll, we'll all do our part. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's all we can do. Right. And Absolutely. we're all yeah. ever, you know, even if it helps one person, it's been worth, worth the effort. So thanks again for being here, Dr. Jacob. Um, and just a quick reminder, I do have in the show notes, um, how to get in touch with him. Uh, it's plaskercairo.com. And, oh, I forgot to ask one thing. Where, um, where is it that you practice? How, where would people find we are, you? Yeah, we are located in Bend, Oregon. Anyone up in the Pacific Northwest, you are a great resource. So thanks again for being here today, Dr. Jacob. Of course, my pleasure, Amy. Anytime. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Jacob Plasker. And again, you can find his information in the show notes. It's plaskercairo.com. And just another quick reminder to grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And be sure to join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. I will see you again next time. Have a great day, everyone.